What I really always found tricky as an entrepreneur is to decide on what not to do, because there's always more you could do, right? Welcome to the Swisspreneur Show, a podcast about startup stories and hands-on learnings from experienced entrepreneurs. Here's your host, Sylvan. Simon, you're very well. Welcome back to the second episode of the Swisspreneur Show. It's a pleasure to have you again. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me again. It's really great that we can do also the second episode. Really looking forward to that. Me too, because today we're going to talk about the topic that doesn't get too much attention. Usually you hear a company got sold, huge success in the news, and then that's it. You never hear back from them again, except if they, like you, switch to become an investor or a business angel. But in between what happens after the exit, that's something that is rarely covered. And we want to talk exactly about that moment. What happens after the exit? How does your life change? So to start selling a company and also getting either unemployed or as in your case, employed by a, a more corporate company yeah. significantly changes your life. You can also feel like you work for someone that you don't identify with, or it's just way more trickier to work for someone else than working for your own. Or you feel like you don't have the same relevance or importance as you had before as a CEO, CTO, or founder of your own company. How did you deal with that? How did you cope with that potential stress? For me, the switch probably was not that a difficult one in the sense that while I'm really not the corporate guy, but I think I mentioned it in the first year, in the first podcast, as we also picked a company that has a, a culture that was very close to us and had a startup culture, it was not that big of a change for me to get into that. Mm -hmm. And it was also kind of still, I mean, I was still working with the same team, the same topic. So um, it was okay in the sense that um, it was not a total change on, on what I do. So it was more going on. And, and of course it, yeah, after, after having sold the company, I would have preferred to maybe take three months off and just <laughs> relax. 2017, I was totally destroyed after 2017. So I, I probably needed until April to get kind of back on track. But as we moved to Barcelona, there was so much new stuff coming on. It was so much of a new life that, at, that we, we were able to really get into that and, and, and start to enjoy it, right? Great. And yeah, I, it was always clear that it's part of the deal to, to do these additional years. And for me, that's, that really still felt as... The deal is not done until I have kind of delivered what I promised to deliver. Maybe we can talk about, you know, these deal specific terms that you negotiated there. It seems to be pretty likely that if you sell your company that you commit yourself to a certain earnout period. How many years were that in, in your case? Did you commit to a certain amount of years or what was the commitment that you gave to that? Yeah, it, it, was, it was actually two years. So it was a rather short commitment. Mm -hmm. Typically it would, I guess it would be three or four years. Um, and I think it's very common, most of all, because it was a tech deal. So they wanted to, to have the tech team committed. We, they actually originally, Dynatrace wanted us to go for three years, mm -hmm. but we were able to trade a two years deal against something else. I don't remember what it was. It was one of Heiner's moves. <laughs> so, and in the end, we, we came up with a two year or not. Yeah. And what were other specifics of the deal that you can talk about? You know, usually also I do have like an incentive package, as we heard with 
your stock options? What other incentives did you get to, to stay on during the earnout period? Um, we, of course, had a decent salary. Um, but apart from that, it was really just, in quotes, the incentive package and kind of stock. And um, it was not even bound to any goals. So we were kind of lucky that it was only time-based. And uh, so it was really just a two-year earnout, and, and and that's it. That was basically the package. And then you still you stayed for almost three years, I think, if I haven't uh, two and a half, yeah. two and a half. Okay, rounded off three years. <laughs> um, so you, you you decided to stay a bit longer than the the two years that you had to. Yeah. Um, but then still, at a certain point in time, you decided to leave Dynatrace. What led you to that conclusion? Why did you decide to to leave the company? Well. Um, there were several aspects. Many of them actually are related to, to also my private situation. So one aspect more from the business side, obviously, is that albeit it, it, it still felt very startup-ish as a culture from a company with still 2,000 people. I'm just not the corporate guy. I don't like people to tell me what I have to do. And this was one aspect. And the other business aspect was also that I'm the guy that likes to do new things. So as I mentioned in our first podcast, as I was not that passionate about the topic itself, um, but more about building the company, I, I was just kind of, you know, it, it, it had tore out a little bit, the kind of topic of session replay. I, I, I needed something else. So it was clear for me that I didn't want to do that forever. And the other aspect was just my family, because my wife is a an excellent body psychotherapist. She has her um, uh, she has her office in in, in Zurich Seefeld, and um, so when she went or when we got, went with the family to Barcelona, it was clear she can't work in her profession, which is her true passion to do. And she said, you know, if I'm there. Um, until I know this, the language well enough, to, to it, it, it will take years. So we made a clear deal that while we are there, she's not working. She's taking care of the kids. So we had a very classical model, if you want. Um, but this was also with the clear condition that we will not stay forever. And then it was also that my kids, four and seven, we wanted them to go to school here in Switzerland. We wanted them to be on a countryside where they can play. We wanted them to be close to my grand, you know, to the grandparents. And so, and, and then it was clear I won't work in Barcelona and, and going back and forth. I did that for a few months because my family came back a bit earlier while I was still working for Dynatrace. So I went back and forth every week and it was clear that even, I mean, already for ecological reasons, that's not a model I would want to have for a longer time. Got it. We're going to talk about the family situations and also trade-offs that you probably have to take in a, in a minute. But before that, I want to talk about the new time that you won back after leaving Dynatrace, after the deal completed. What did you do with the new time that you had available? <laughs> well, you know, when, when I left, I, I planned to leave in the end of April. And um, the last week that I planned to be in Barcelona was actually, I think, second or third week of March. Because I was still employed, and but but the new you know the new guy, my successor, was already there. So I said, "Does make sense that I just stick around and just you know <laughs> watch what everybody's doing?" Hey, I'm still here. Um, so we decided that I stay in Switzerland and just, if needed, would go there. And then Corona actually COVID hit, right? So it was the last week where I could have been in Spain. Actually, that I still was there. 
And so after that, my wife was still not working. I was not working. And uh, it's hard to say, but we actually enjoyed that time because it was a total, you know, it was so, <laughs> everything was so gone slow and easy. And we were just at home doing things, homeschooling. I spent a lot of time with kids. Um, I started to do our room again more, started to read a lot. Um, I think for me, the, the, the COVID actually was a big chance because I'm the guy that, that often when I end something, I just jump into something new and it kind of, you know, forced me to, to first, you know, get into a relaxation state and just calm down a bit. And, and then from there on with, with new energy, maybe tackle some new topics. So you finally got these three months of uh, vacation. Yes, finally. <laughs> <laughs> but then at a certain point in time, you still decided, hey, it's time for, for new projects and uh, also got active as a business angel and investor. What led you to get active in, in that field after starting your own company instead of starting yet another company? Well, we'll see where <laughs> the starting yet another company is still an option that, but you know, and, and I really, when I start, stopped with, with Dynatrace, I, I wanted to give myself a bit of time to decide what's next. And as I'm not the guy that just hangs around five days a week or seven days a week, I, I really wanted to, uh, give something back to the startup community in Zurich. I have made my experiences. So I thought instead of now just starting into something new, let's do some consulting mandates, some advisory, um, mostly um, uh, pro bono mandates to just help people out, build a network. Also, you know, build my network back because I haven't done that in, in Barcelona. So for me, it was, it was like a, a good way on getting connected again, talking to interesting people, doing something, but not too much, um, being inspired by all these ideas that are around and people that are around and, and still in parallel, having enough time to be at home, um, be with my wife, with my kids and, 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 you know, in a thinking process about what could possibly be my next endeavor. Mm -hmm. And spending time with your family, this also sounds like this might have become a bit too short in your active days. I can imagine that there must have been some tough trade-offs that you had uh, to make in order to build a successful company, but also, you know, growing and actually having a family and uh, a partner with your wife. Mm. How do you handle these trade-offs? What were some of the toughest trade-offs that you had uh, to make during mm. your active time as an entrepreneur? Yeah, obviously time is the sparse cars resource. And um, what, what I really always found tricky as an entrepreneur is to decide on what not to do, because there's always more you could do, right? And deciding what to focus on and mostly what you're not doing is, is really the hard part. And there were trade-offs. We, we took these trade-offs rather consciously so I had this discussion with my wife, Coco, and we, we discussed about, hey, how do we deal with that? Because as I said, she's a passionate psychotherapist and we knew that I can't do that. If I do a startup, I cannot do it for 40% or 60 or 80. It's 150, 200% period. So it has an impact on how much she can work, how much she has to take care about our you know, social life household all these things so and but at least we we were basically consciously getting into a discussion about how do we handle that to not just just enter that 
And I had to take some very conscious decisions about where do I lay my focus and where not in, in, in my private life. I just said, you know, there's business, there's my wife, there's my children, there's myself, sports and all that stuff, and there's my friends. And you cannot do everything, so I had to cut corners. Um, what I was trying really hard, and I think I was luckily pretty successful in that, is to not cut too much corners with my children. Um, because I said, they're young and they need me and there's only so many years I can spend with them. While with my partner, I, I still can spend time afterwards. So I tried, I really was always there to breakfast. I get, got home at a decent time um, and then was with them, played with them, brought them to bed to then go back to work afterwards. So the hard trade-off that I had to do was, was mostly with myself. I, I just consciously cut corners when it comes to time I have for me, time I do well for sports, time with friends. Um, and because uh, I, I needed to, to have some priorities on, on how to focus on. So basically the message is you can't have it all while running your own startup. It's just not possible. No, it's not. It's, I mean, you... No, it's, no, it's not because there's always too much things to do. So you, you have to take some conscious decisions. But I think the, the, the important point is that you need to be aware what you want and, and then really consciously decide what are the focus priorities, right? You can say I work less because my body matters. My wife matters. My children matters. My friend matters. That takes this time. So I'm consciously accepting that I may be less successful, period, and then stick to it. But it, it, it's not somewhere in this triangle. You, you, you have to take some, you know, you have to, there are restrictions. And I think what was one key aspect of success is that um, we made kind of a personal contract, me and my wife, um, not a formal one, but she said, how long am I willing to go for that model until it has to be successful? To say, look, we do this now for three years and then we do a re-evaluation with the possible outcome that I would stop doing my startup then, right? But until then, that's the model that we'll do. That, that's how we deal with it. That's what her responsibility, mine, what do we expect from each other? And the good thing about that was that you don't necessarily always have to re-evaluate the entire time. So I could then heads down and deliver and know in that point in time, we'll rediscuss this topic. But not, I, I don't have to be afraid that in two months, we'll have to have the same discussion again because that costs an enormous lot amount of energy. So make things clear, be explicit, be, be, be true to your partner, to your children, what it means, be open and, and, and have some rules and regulations. And, and I think the other tooling that was super important is just stick to kind of a time frame. So I always slept good and well and enough. Nice. That's it's, super important. It's so important yeah. because, I mean, many problems, everybody knows that, right? You have a problem in the evening. You absolutely want to solve it. You stay up for hours and hours. You can't. Next day, when you've slept, it just magically disappears because it's so obvious about how you want to tackle that. So don't waste your time if you're tired. It's not worth it. I think this, this is something that, that people think they can run with four hours sleep. Forget about it. Take eight and be more efficient in the remaining time. 
and have some block time. So, you know, weekends are sacrosanct. So some rules, I always will have dinner with my children and stick to them and plan around. And I think without that, your business will always win. Um, it's, it's just, you know, it screams loudest. So that's what happens. It's also probably easier, you know, to just keep continue working in, instead of going home or doing yeah. some active time, spending some active time with your family, with your kids. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because there's always a context switch. And, and often, I mean, it, it was often not easy. We, we had our crisis as well. You know, it, it is hard to, to have a partnership if you're really, really busy and, and with all these ups and downs that we mentioned in the first podcast, right? There were just times I was a fucking asshole, right? Not, not bearable, not supportable, right? Terror for my family and, and others totally euphoric, which is not easy for the family either. Sure. And then, then you're our, you, you have too much interactions during business. So when you, when I got home, the only thing I ever wanted first was just, you know, just leave me alone. <laughs> and you have, you know, and, and this is also something you have to deal with. Just, you know, 15 first minutes, leave daddy alone and then I'll come and play with you. So it, it really requires to be very, very open, candid to yourself and your, your family to, to, to tackle this situation. So to me, what you just described sounds like a very good way of managing expectations, what you expect from people around you, but also what they can expect from you and from having this openness and also transparency to discuss and address the issues and challenges at hand. How did you make that happen? Because of course, that's what everybody wishes to be able to do, <laughs> but putting that into practice and executing on that is a completely different challenge by itself. So. Yeah. How did you actually manage to, you know, address these topics with your partner, with your wife, but also with the people around you, with your friends and so on, to really set these clear expectations? Yeah, I, I guess with my friends, I didn't really set clear expectations. It was mostly within the core family. Um, I, there were two, two aspects I think I, I would like to mention. The first thing is that I guess one of the true foundation of, of my relationship with my wife is open communication. And this was something that I really owed to her. So she, oh, this was so annoying sometimes, you know, because she's a person that if there's something, you know, if there's some unfinished business, she will always put it on the table. And that costs energy, right? Oh, no, I don't want to discuss. Can we just have an easy evening? Do I really have to discuss this? And so sometimes this was, this was hard, but it, it really forced me because I'm, I'm not that guy originally, right? I was more the guy that I, I deal with my problems myself. So, you know, and, and it really forced me to open up and, and we started to have this, this real open con conversation style, which meant also if we have, we also have conflicts like every couple, but every time there is a conflict, both of us, after the emotions calm down a bit, you know, we go into ourselves and think about what was my part of that? Did I really react in her or was it more me? And what could I have done differently? Both say, you know, it was not right to do that, to say that maybe. Everybody has some part in every conflict. Sorry for that. And, you know, I felt like this. And then you get into the constructive dialogue, which starts to change something. And luckily, this really was something we had even before I started becoming an entrepreneur, because I don't know how easy it would have been to start developing this kind of culture while already being in a stressful situation. And I think the second 
tool that I would like to mention is is what I mentioned is 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 the explicit formulation of expectations, which we even wrote down. Mm-hmm. It's not that it's not a formal document. We didn't went to the notary and right. say <laughs> <laughs> Con- convention punishment. No, no, no. But but you know, it, it it matters to 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 do it in a way that's kind of binding. It's not just something you just once while sipping a cup of coffee you decide and that's it. But but be, really, it, it should be kind of a ritual to decide on that and say, that's how we run. And, and then let it go for a certain time. Don't constantly change. You have so much change in business. If you constantly change how your private life works, it, it, it's not bearable. Yeah. I think that's also a very uh, important statement from my perspective to have you know, stability in your private life really lets you focus on your business. And is it, is it probably a crucial part of building a successful company yes. to a certain degree. Yeah, absolutely. My wife kept kind of everything balanced, right? So um, it, it was funny because this before I went into the startup business, this was something we, we both had retrospectively to, to keep the other kind of balanced. But, but she really had to take that over. And this is also something that she, I think for her, this was the hardest part to, to, to cope with, me having a lot or none of energy or being good or a bad mood. And, and you know, these the, the ups and downs that you feel in a, in a company, it has, I mean, this, this startup was essential for us. I mean, it was an endeavor. We, we went into together. We invested both into that, right? Time and money and, 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 and energy. And so it, it mattered whether it works or not. And so... Obviously, what happened there would spill back into the family, and and there also there you have to very have to very clear expectations that I had to say I can't do this, you know, I, I can't, I will be there will be ups and downs, and and you have to be my kind of stabilizing factor, and and if you put that on the table, I think it's an also much easier to cope with the situation if it actually happens, but without her. I wouldn't have managed to to get through these times. But at the same time, I can also imagine, you know, if you start discussing these topics and you actually actually start formulating your expectations, this can also feel like a huge pressure and a huge burden to her to having to take over all these new areas that you were also part of before, or at least more part of before. Um, possibly, but you know, it's inevitable because. If you're a couple in the family, and I happen to have my first child pretty quickly after starting the startup, and if you decide to go that path, things will happen. And by just not defining them, not setting expectations and not talking about them, they're still going to happen. The only thing that will happen is there will be additional stress because it's unclear on how to handle that. And you're pissed because, you know, I can't, I don't have the energy, you have to, but I can't neither... I mean, this is part of this conscious decision about going into it as a couple. And, and I think it, it really liberated her more than it was stressful, knowing exactly this is kind of the model we'll, we'll be having, right? This is how we balance each other. This is how we deal with it. That's, that's the team we are. I'm the defensive player and I, I had to be the offensive player. And, yeah. and, and without this combination, it, I think it won't work. And, Without me knowing that I have this backup in the family and, and, and being able to just say, no, we decided on that. So I can focus now on my business until I'm not, you know, dealing with the children, then that, blum, bang. 
And I didn't need to every day worry about, oh, is she now, well, does this work for her or not? We both decided that's how far we go and then we rediscuss. Doesn't mean it was all smooth, right? Don't get me wrong. It's not like, oh, and everything went fine. But but I think it was a massive um, help to, to get this properly done. What were some of the toughest challenges that you then faced during that time when you were actually following that model together? Well, for me, it was definitely changes in mood, you know, to, to how to not let these ups and downs spill over too much in the family. How can I have kind of a constant, because we needed to have a kind of constant, fa- if you have two small children, mm. consistency and, you know, it's important. You you cannot have a daddy that's, you know, going skyrockets uh, uh, one day and <laughs> totally destroyed the other day. Yeah. So to kind of, for me, most of all in the stressful times, which was 2015 early when we uh, nearly went broke and, and just with really help of friends and families managed to go over this situation. Or in 2017 with the negotiation with Diamond Race took from May to, to November and that we, we were... I was working, I got up at five, worked until seven, had breakfast with my family, went to the office, came home at seven in the evening, played with the family, had, had dinner with them, started to work at nine, went into phone calls at 10 until two o'clock in the morning and that for months. And this was just, I, that's why I said I was totally destroyed. And then this situation and then switching into a mode where you can still be open-minded and welcoming and empathetic mm-hmm. It was for me the hardest part. Yeah. yeah, with a lack of sleep, this is just not possible no. to a certain degree, no. right? I, I mean, luckily that was so, you know, I absolutely wanted that deal. So I was so totally motivated that I probably had endorphin levels that went through the roof <laughs> and adrenaline, I don't know. Otherwise, I could not have done that. It's a nice trick that your body pulled off basically yeah, yeah, yeah. to get you yeah. through that. Yeah, that time. Yeah, but I paid the price afterwards. <laughs> In what way? I was just, you know, really lack of energy. I needed to sleep a lot, recover, uh, get back on track. And and the interesting thing is then also um, after the deal was done, you know, I, I, I it probably women that had a baby probably can feel how that feels. It it, it really felt like a postnatal depression, right? So you invest, I invested so much into that. Now the baby's born. Yeah. The exit is done. And then you think now you should feel totally happy. But, but all this energy that you spend into it was still, you know, I still needed to recover. So I still needed to go on. We had to integrate the software. So there was still a lot going on. And this kind of then mismatch about an expectation. How will it feel? If you have done the exit and, and how is life going on it? How, where, where is your energy level? Uh, this, this was actually a, a pretty hard uh, time until then. Uh, yeah, it took time to recover. But so that, that didn't feel that it really felt like a little bit of a postnatal depression. I don't really know how they feel, but I think that's probably how I can they imagine. Feel. Yeah, it probably felt like day and night in terms of expectation versus yeah. reality, right? Yeah. How did you then deal with that one? Of course, you said you slept a lot. You had to make up for the lack of sleep, basically. What else did you do to get back on track and to really get out of that sort of depression? Uh, physical activity. So around the physical activity again, I think this is, by the way, this is something if I would do a startup ever again, I would definitely not um, go back on physical activity. This is as important as sleep to keep that up, I guess. 
So this helped a lot. And then again, you know, a lot of discussions with my wife because um, to, to, to get clear about what is going on. And then again, be, being frank to yourself that, hey, yes, this has happened and it's fantastic, but it's totally normal that after all that, after all that stress and time, and, and it, now you need time to recover. So basically rebalancing expectations that you have to yourself, because most things, at least for me, when, when I feel uh, different than I think I should feel, that's where the pain comes from, right? If you don't have expectations, there's nothing to suffer from. Then there are no feelings or emotions coming out of that, right? Yeah. Because there's no mismatch. But if you do have them, yes, and they don't expect, like they don't like equal to the reality, then that's where stress is exactly. Born. And all these pictures we have from yes. how things should be, and then if they're not, you have to rebalance. And I think that yeah, that worked pretty well. A quick announcement before we continue with the show. In collaboration with the ETH Entrepreneur Club, we recently launched JoinUp, an online platform for startup jobs. By joining forces, we believe we can create a job network which features both the best startups in the Swiss ecosystem and the best talents that can be found in our universities. Are you a talented and ambitious professional looking for a startup job? Or do you work for a startup who's looking for their next rockstar hire? Sign up now to find your perfect match at joinup.ch. Again, that's joinup.ch. And now, on with the show. I quickly wanted to pick up one thing that you mentioned before, the three-year time window that you negotiated with your wife, basically. Yeah. How did the discussion after the three years go? Because you then eventually also need a bit more time, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely we needed more time. We basically extended. So we had a good dinner, went there and we discussed about where we are. And we both came to the conclusion that it's worthwhile to invest more. And so we kind of extended the period. And end of 2017 would have been the next cutting point. Okay. But that didn't happen. Luckily. <laughs> <laughs> what were sort of the, the indicators that, you know, let you with a good confidence level to extend the, the deadline, basically? What were like the, the numbers or the things that you looked at and discussed together to say, hey, actually, we might need a bit more time, but we're on the right path? Yeah. I guess it was, it, 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 of course, there were economical factors. So we saw that. Um, with Kumram as it was, we didn't have a luxury life. So we could, we could live without spending what we had on this. So this was kind of important for me. There was no real private cash drain. So we said, okay, that, that works. We don't need to build, um, kind of, of money. The success of the company obviously was an important aspect. We needed both to believe that it will be successful and will possibly have an exit. I was still motivated. We had a great team. So it was then the other part was motivation of myself of continuing. And my wife was still fine with the role she had to play. And we both thought that um, I had a good relationship with my children, which was important. So it's not something that we had to totally change. So we thought the model works as a family context and we see enough opportunities still in the company. And these two effects combined then led to the decision to go on. Great. Yeah. Which is now a short summary of a much longer discussion. I can imagine, right? yeah. That takes uh, <laughs> probably a couple of days or even weeks to, yes. uh, to come up with that conclusion. Absolutely. On the other hand, you mentioned like you had a dinner to discuss that together with your wife. Um, what were other little things, you know, that kept you in sync despite 
the open discussions together. But what kept you in sync as a couple, as as partners, um, that you know through this intense time? Yeah, I mean, the probably the most important thing was really the the, the open communication. We then also had a, a phase where we we met regularly, um, in the sense of of. It, Projective discussion. So basically, I say something and she acknowledges what I said, and, and, and the other way around. So, really making sure you hear the other person and are able to get into an empathetic state and, and make sure that you have regular touch points. It sounds very, very pragmatic, but it's. And the other thing, of course, was to, to create couple time. I, I mean, I, for me, being in a family context, being in a business context, or being just a partner. Um, these are kind of different roles. So I, I cannot always feel, maybe that's just me, but I don't always feel so close to my wife if we're in a family context. So I need time just with her. And that's something we had to create, right? By getting a nanny, making sure that it happens regardless of, of, of how stressful it is. So these are the small riddles. And, and, you know, I think I, we didn't need a lot. It doesn't need a days, right? It, 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 Sometimes just going out and having a dinner and then going for a walk to the lake and maybe have a swim together, whatsoever, it can be now. What was the thing that you missed the most during these intense times where you had to really cut corners with probably also a bit of a broken heart, I would say? Yeah, definitely. I think time with myself, you know, just every time I was not with somebody else, um, I felt like I should do something for the business. And, and so... This is what I was missing most. This kind of, I, I'm really interested in everything. That's, that's, that's good and bad. <laughs> it makes life interesting, but sometimes it makes it complicated as well. So I, I love to read and, you know, get, get into different topics from physics, it, it, whatever, right? I can, I can be passionate about many things. And, and so this, this kind of having to focus on just one thing and not having this liberty on just, you know, wandering around different ideas, just literally sitting on a couch and reading a good book and, and not always having to think, hey, but there's still this to do that I should have done. I think that was what I was missing most. And now looking back at the journey, you eventually reached a financial freedom. So you can spend as much time on the couch and reading books as you want nowadays. <laughs> Now, looking back at the intense years, was it worth it, the trade-off that you had to make? And now that it actually was successful, I would say, yes, it was. Yes, it definitely was. I mean, I learned, I learned a lot of that I would not have wanted to miss. I think we also got stronger as a, as a team, as a couple, in, in, in having gone through that. So there's a lot of experiences that I, I could not have made otherwise. It's still, it's still hard to say how I would, what would I say, you know, having this interview with you if it had not been a success? Because this is certainly something that, as it was not really my, my uh, we mentioned that in the first podcast, it was not my full passion topic I worked on. And so if it had not been a success, it certainly would feel like it, it, it was a bit of waste of time. Um, Still having all these experiences that were valuable, but, but, but I think then, then I would probably have said I, I'd rather have done some, something else that would, would be more fulfilling in the sense of giving sense to what you're doing, right? And what would your wife say? Was it worth it for her too? 
<laughs> I don't know. Um, good question. I, I think you should ask her. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I guess she would say it was worth. I mean, she is anyway a person that that takes you know a lot of of, of pride and, and and constant development of of, of herself, um, becoming more and more mature as a person. I think. She's she's really excellent in, in 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 using what life gives her to to get a step farther, and and now of course, also for her, um, this freedom that we uh, got together, this financial freedom helps for her to to decide also much more about sure. where she wants to spend her time. Yeah. Makes sense. Now let's also focus on the other part. You made a lot of money at once, basically, or twice in your case. <laughs> What do you actually do with that money? You know, we always hear about the big paydays of selling a company, but once the money flows in, what do you actually do? You probably pay some taxes depending on how the deal is structured. <laughs> but with all the money that is left, what do you do with that? Do you invest it? Do you spend it? Do you celebrate? What did you do with your payday? Yeah. So, I mean, first, first we really did a celebration. So we invited a lot of um, friends and went to church, had a lot of good drinks. I was pretty wasted, frankly, and um, a lot of good dinner. <laughs> it was a really cool party. And it was also kind of the goodbye party because we then moved to Barcelona. Right. And other than that, in the beginning, we didn't do anything with it. It was really like, okay, it's there and now. And uh, what was clear for us from the beginning was that we, we didn't want to change the way how we live. Mm -hmm. um, because for us, money really means freedom in, in, in spending your time how you want. So the least thing we wanted to do was ramping up fixed costs and getting sure. a yacht and getting a whatsoever and a, a holiday home here and there. So we luckily we had bought the house before we sold. Maybe otherwise I would have thought we need a swimming pool. But no, we really wanted to stay the way we are, right? And and not not change how we live a lot. Um and then we just started this. For us, it was clear that we mostly wanted to invest that money. And so we started to slowly think about how, what we, it was clear that because I come out of a startup, I wanted to invest a portion of the money back into startups or startup funds. It was clear for us that something we wanted to invest a bit, you know, defensive, other on the stock market. Uh, first, we tried it ourselves, but I'm such a bad investor. It's terrible. <laughs> I don't have the nerves to be on the stock market. It's okay to invest in startups where I can, you know, understand the business sure, and can yeah. do something myself, but no. And so this was also a decision we took that we, we gave part of that to, uh, uh, you know, pro professionals that deal with the money because I also didn't want to read news every day and see how things are going. And, and, but this was really a process that, that took probably until this year, um, to decide what to do. And it was absurd sometimes, you know. In what way? Suddenly, you know, as soon as we had some stock, then also with Dynatrace and the IPO, if the stock went up or down by whatever, a dollar, and, and actually it was pretty volatile, right? We won or lost so much money, you know, that, that everything else that you seem to do kind of didn't matter. But then we would still, you know, go and see, oh, you know, the salmon is in... It's, it's cheaper today in Migros. Let's, let's buy free and put it into the fridge. So it, I found it sometimes hard to, to just stick with a normal lay of living 
while things are going up and down and crazy on, on, on your accounts. So um, that's what I mean with absurd. I, I just needed to be a little bit of psychotic of having two personalities. <laughs> Um, but in the other, on the other, in the other way, I also think this, this was exactly the healthy thing to do, to, to not go crazy and just, you know, go on with your life. True. And one just question that uh, also comes to mind, you mentioned to give money to a professional to manage and invest it. Yeah. I can imagine that if you do achieve, you know, such uh, an exit and actually make a lot of money at once um, there are probably also many people that just want to in invest your money or manage your money that might pretend to be professionals <laughs> but will probably even cost you way more money uh, in the end than they actually make you or do with your investments uh, actually that didn't happen no. no okay no not at all so there was no nobody getting in touch or whatsoever well, apart from the classical Nias uh, claiming to be the president of Nairobi that wants to send me some 10 million. But apart from these in the spam folder, no, not at all. So it was really uh, a conscious process that we took and based on recommendations from friends. Okay. And um, no, uh, funnily, this was also there. Our life just went on normally. Great. And, you know, also with... Uh, more money there also comes more responsibility to a certain degree so some people might also argue and say hey now you made uh, a good amount of money uh, now it's also time to give back as you do with startups for example um, to also donate or invest in in, uh, in a good cause was that also something that crossed your mind with your in investment decisions yeah it, it certainly did and it, and it still does we, we already did uh, um, a donation to a, uh, um, uh, a school in, in Nepal that, that, that actually a, a cousin of mine is, is building there, which is a fantastic project. Um, and so, but, but yes, this is definitely a discussion. We just, uh, we just haven't decided yet on how we really want to deal with it. We're currently giving kind of, well, something back to society by, by doing more of these kind of consulting and advisory mandates because we, we still need to we're still not clear how we want to really, what's our new model, right? There's so many changes now. We're back in Switzerland. I stopped to work. My wife started to work. Children go to kindergarten. The other one is school. So there are many things going on. And so we said, now we're again like in a volatile phase, right? We started to, the money's now invested. And, and so it's professionally managed. What will happen with that? And so we gave ourselves again time until end of next year where we say until then we want to have a clear understanding how we want to go on with our life. And, and which of course will not be forever, but again for the next period. And this will then also involve to understanding how much do we want to spare, for example, to, to go into, in, into charity projects or, or supporting causes. I really love your, your timeframes. You always have a specific timeframe when you say, this is the focus, that's what we commit to. And then in one year or three years whatsoever, we reassess. Yeah. I think that's beautiful because it gives you a, a certainty, a security, but also a good focus so you can then execute and don't need to question or have the same discussions as you said before all the time it, it, it's probably maybe it's still something i got from the services business you know <laughs> only if you have a clear timeline in mind you also maybe can plan the activities to get there so it also helps to a it gives you this freedom of not constantly having to oh have we now already decided no 
but it also helps you to say, okay, if we want to be there by then, what, what, what are kind of the steps that we have to take? But you can take them with, you know, just don't stress yourself too much. So give enough lag time to being able to actually deal with it. And, and I think it really helps to, you know, make things more calm. So for me, this is a great takeaway from our uh, chat today to self-reflect more about that and think how I can implement that. <laughs> so this is perfect. You mentioned that your lifestyle didn't change that much um, after the exit, um, but still, you know, from a psychological perspective, I can imagine that having this financial freedom and, and, and achieving that, there must be a certain change in, in peace of mind or a certain way that your life has changed, although you didn't buy in a, a bigger house with a pool or a yacht whatsoever. So what changed on that psychological level with the money that you made? Yeah, interestingly, my wife would say not a lot. Okay. So she, she always was, and, and I admire that, by the way. She's always a person that is very positive about, well, we'll manage anyway. So for her, it's kind of, you know, um, she was positive before and she still is. Um, for me, it definitely have a psychological change. So it, it gives me just, you know, a, a certain foundation, certain security that, um, I, I, well, yeah, that, that makes me feel more secure, more safe. And, and just the freedom did not, the feeling that now I can maybe thrive or, or, you know, build a new startup or a new idea or just try things out without having to think, but, it has to be, it, I also have to earn something with it, right? Mm -hmm. So this, this is really what I love about the situation of, of having the freedom of, of deciding what to do without always having this kind of, of, of pressure that it needs to, to, to you know, uh, pay enough to, to, to earn your living. Right. Got it. And there, you know, you are there now, but was there a certain number where you said, that number gives me financial freedom. Did you do any calculations where you said, we need this amount of money to be financially free and everything on top of that is nice to have, but we, there's a certain minimum that we need? Um, no, I don't even think so because we, well, of course, they washed the napkin with Matthias that, that contained the number. <laughs> right. But it was, I think, um, I'm, I'm not looking that much forward. So just knowing that there's enough for the next few years it's kind of okay. I don't need to, oh, until the end of my life. No, that, that's not the perspective I have. It's more, we now have a playground and, and that's fantastic. And in part of, I mean, you know, given the current situation, I, I don't know what will be the percentage you can make on some invested money in the future. Right. So that's also something we try to find out a little bit until end of 2021. <laughs> that's also part of this kind of discovery, you know, mm -hmm. what, what, what will it be? What, what can we calculate with? Got it. And now with your, you know, investment part and being a business angel, you see both sides. You've been an active entrepreneur yourself, maybe also will be again in the future, <laughs> but now also see the investor side of the, of the startup world. What is more rewarding to you, building a company yourself or being a business angel and investor in several companies? It's, it's definitely the, 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 the former part. Okay, why? Um, you know, I, let, let's first start about what I love about, you know, investor and, 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 and being an angel. And I mean, I love talking to these young hot guns. So it, it's amazing how professional startups are today. 
um, if I look at pitch decks or how they, I think, you know, oh, wow, in our times, we were kind of, it was still less on, on a less professional level. So I like that. And I like the energy and I like discussing. And I think there's a lot that I can, you know, provide to them about info, you know, just out of the experiences that I had being a challenger or a advocatus diaboli or whatsoever. And this is very fulfilling. But what I felt while doing this in, in the past few months is that I'm just the guy that likes to develop something. We, we, this is really something very, very personal, right? That's also why I, I, I ah, you know, <laughs> give me a topic and I want to, I want myself to massage it and try to figure out and, and, and build it. And so I guess that that's what I'm missing. It's, it's the feeling of creating something, of, of pushing something forward, of mastering being your own master and, and and bringing something to life that's that's a bit what i'm missing and that's why you know while i totally enjoy this 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 current state and being with so many people and talking to a lot of interesting people um i guess uh my heart my true passion is in in creating something myself so I can feel that desire of getting back into the game. <laughs> a little bit, but let's not, let's not hurry too much. Sure. Maybe we'll know more by the end of 2021. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> a potential investment might be your next company. Who knows? Possibly. <laughs> we also talked about you having more time now also to think and to read. What topics are of interest to you at the moment? I think we, when in the end of this first podcast, you asked me about tooling and these kind of things and talked about life hacks and What's currently what, what I really love and what, what is totally interesting for me is, is everything um, that relates to, to, to health, right? So be it nutrition, be it um, uh, longevity, be it um, really psychological health or mental health, be it exercise, so nutrition supplements whatsoever or also new technology femtech um uh, ai based technology in this area so everything around this health space is something that i love i think there is so well there went wrong so many things when it comes to nutrition and exercise principles mm, there is uh, a lot of people that are overweight and they try the wrong things um, there are so many wrong ideas around and i would I, I would really love to 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 create more or work more in the area um, um of of helping people develop better health with possibly less effort right. so this is this is something that i currently love digging into and in in that aspect i could also imagine that there are several startup ideas emerging out of there is there a particular area that you're especially bullish about or interested about yeah I think currently it's really the combination of everything. What I miss is that if you want to go into nutrition, there are hundreds of apps there, or you can do stuff about fasting or exercise or sleep and so on and so forth. But nothing has kind of the combination that gives you an easy framework about what, what can you do and also with limited time to get really good results for your health for getting weight down which is all linked together for extending your health span and if you currently 
if you want to get into these topics, you have to read so much and listen to so many podcasts and structure and it's controversial and you need to, you know, you need to dig into it yourself. And so what I would want to make is these things easier. Right? So this is, this is really one aspect that, that I would love to. And I think the other aspect is, um, um, which is also, by the way, one reason why I support our room with the, the high intensity training as a board member. Um, because I, I, well, I love the team. I love the product. I love the technology. It's, it's unbelievable and it helps myself extremely. And these are all components, how, how you can actually get there. And I think the other, the other aspect, um, which is something that I do with my wife is also, is on a very, on a much more concrete basis that we would want to offer the experience that we had as a couple back to other people in the same situation, maybe stressed executives, stressed entrepreneurs or whatever, just people that want to combine um, a successful business with a, 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 um, a healthy family life with personal health, with a good couple's life and relationship to your children. So this exact situation where we've been in, how can we deal with that? And I think we, we really developed a, a lot of tooling around that, that, that helps sometimes small things that, that can get you to that, how, how to, to get stronger out of that, how to, to become clear about what you want. And this is an offering that I do together with my wife. We call it the 360 degree consulting. So these are currently my, you know, so main focus points. One is more making sure that things get easier for people when it comes to their health. And the other is a very concrete and more personalized um, overall consulting about how to deal with your life. Yeah. And I think it's great because both topics are heavily driven by your personal experience. And uh, that's probably and the experience of my wife as well. Yeah, exactly. Of course. Yes. So before we end this episode, we prepared some rapid fire questions for you. Oh, now I have to sit up. <laughs> Perfect. I give you a choice of two or three options. Yeah. You have to select one option and quickly explain in one or two sentences why you made that choice. Okay. Are you ready? Yes. Europe, Asia, or North America? Europe. Why? I love the food. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good reason. Wealth or happiness? Yeah, happiness. Easy one. Yeah, easy one. I mean, do, do you want to know why? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> because I want to be happy now. Um, because wealth for me is just the instrument to, to become independent and happy. And if, if you do it for anything else, I think it's, it's a wrong motivation. Got it. Young entrepreneur or experienced entrepreneur? Oh, like 20 years old or 40 years old entrepreneur? Oh, tough one. Tough one. Oh. <laughs> I was the old one, so I picked the young one. Okay. The other way. In yeah, that case. Yeah, yeah. Why? Um, because if you're young, um, you have less to lose, you have less constraints. So I think it's easier to try things out. Uh, if you're experienced with 40, that, that helps a lot on, on many cases, but I think it's just, if you want to try a thing, start early because you still have the time to do a corporate career or whatsoever. But if, if you have to nourish a family and have some fixed costs and whatsoever, maybe with 45, you don't want to lose again everything you have earned already to, yeah. to start all over. Makes sense. What makes you smile? <laughs> oh, a lot of things. Uh, what makes me smile? 
That was not the choice. You said you will give I me know. choices. <laughs> you cheat. You're yeah. cheating. Yeah. That makes me smile. You see? <laughs> Perfect. So if people cheat, that makes you smile. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> At least if it's my children. A lot of things. Yeah. You want more? No, I think that's a, that's a good uh, perspective. <laughs> Humans or robots? Humans. Clear choice. Yeah. yeah. And another one, I'm cheating again, so sorry about that. But where do you go to think? Because that seems to be a big topic for you. Oh, where do I go to think? So I actually, I did myself a present uh, after the, uh, the deal because I bought an Eames chair with Ottoman. You know, the Charles Eames lounge chair with Ottoman. I, I wanted that since, since, you know, college times. But I never buy myself one because it's just too expensive. So I said, no. That's the time. So, and that's the place where I typically read. Um, and uh, at least when I'm inside. So this is my place to, to read and think. The other two places are the toilet and the shower where I have fantastic <laughs> ideas. My wife hates me for that because I can spend hours in there. And of course, I like to be outside. So everything that's in, the, in nature, um, I think uh, for me is inspiring. Just so walking outside or sitting on a stone or in a nice coffee, if there's good coffee. These are places that I love to, to use to think. Awesome. And the very last one for you today, Zurich or Bern? Zurich or Bern? Oh, no. Now, some people will hate me regardless of what I say. You can only think of that question. Or Bern. Wow. I cannot get out of that. Well, 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 Zurich. Sorry, guys. But don't change the dialect, right? That's a, that's a good one. I like that. We have a, a lot of bonus uh, points if you speak in uh, the Bernese Absolutely. Dialect. That's the only thing I don't want to late. You know, that, that has to stay. <laughs> Makes sense. Hey, Simon, that was a lot of fun. Thank you so much for the great stories and insights. We wish you all the best for your future and are also curious to see what new projects you might invest in or start yourself. We stay tuned. <laughs> Thank you so long. It was really a pleasure. And I'm curious myself what will be the next project I'll be invested in or start myself. <laughs> Thanks the for best. the interview. Thanks. Thank you. This episode was brought to you by Swisspreneur's main partner, Clara Business, the digital all-in-one solution for small businesses. Managing internal processes manually and on paper wastes an incredible amount of time. That's why Clara digitizes everything allowing you to focus on what really matters, your core business. Go to clara.ch to find out how your business administration can be simpler, faster, and more efficient. Again, that's clara.ch.